basically, he basically said, "I no, nah, I don't think it's on the gram." The uh, the media source that he did the interview with is the one who who like released the transcripts from it. I think he basically said, "I, I just I, I'll never understand or I can never accept someone disrespecting the flag by kneeling." Yeah. But he kneeled during 2016. Yeah. He was like that. His um, I guess his grandparents both were in uh, grandfathers were both in World War II or something like that. And um, I guess because of them, bless you, because of them, he um, bless you. But because of them, he um, you welcome. But because of them, they um, you know, he pretty much is like you know, he's standing with them or whatever. He got a solid day with them. Man, he about to tie. He don't give a shit. Yeah, My grandfather's but, but, fought in the war, and he he thought it was great that he nailed. I asked him that shit yesterday. Okay, there's a video up here. Right, and Kaepernick, Drew Brees' comments are a perfect example of white privilege not wanting to listen to the totality of the discussion. They only want to hear what they want to hear. Because Kaepernick said from the beginning, the reason he kneeled was because he sat down with ex-military who said, we would prefer for you to kneel than to just sit on the bench. So kneeling in most cultures is a sign of respect. Yeah, it's still respectful. Yeah. I just choose. I'm choosing not to stand with my hand over my heart, and for him to say, "Oh, I'm siding with my family who was ex-military." So you're telling me they're not NFL, NBA players who who are black, who family members aren't ex-military. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to disrespect the military. They're just trying to bring awareness to a conversation that's long overdue. Yeah. Who, who also went out to defend their country and came back and got shitted on. Right. Right. Your, grand, your grandfather didn't do that. Your grandfather didn't go to war. And come back and get shit on your grandfather got celebrated when he came back right you know my people that look like me you know what i'm saying look like us our grandparents came back you couldn't even get housing i asked my grandfather uh did he agree with cap kneeling being that he served in the korean war and he said i mean uh he wasn't offended by the national anthem that was that wasn't written for them and that when he came back from war after fighting for the country he remembers getting spit on and told he couldn't eat in the same restaurant that his other um counterparts eight in and he was like i just fought for the fucking country yeah my grand my grandfather was in the army he was injured while enlisted in the army and came back home to shit he came back home to have to apply for public housing oh so, that's that's where a lot of them went right they put us yeah. in public housing and they were and, and a lot of these other soldiers were placed in other places all, all other stuff like gi bills and all that a lot of that shit wasn't for us anyways but yes we are back shooting the shit I don't even really got no crazy opening for y'all. I've been I've been on my real sentimental crying here and there moments uh, as a as a 36 year old man thinking about all this crazy stuff that's happening, thinking about our, our, our cousins, relatives, brothers, sisters, everybody that got to deal with this this foolishness and stuff that's going on right now. Um, we got Eric. You really embracing the hair right now? I see you, brother. I have no choice, <laughs> man. I need the barbershop to open back up, man, because it's getting way too long at this point. I, I do, I do want to say though, I'm jealous of you because I've been trying to grow my beard for months now, and this is all I can get. Well, listen, yours is growing vertically in another way, so it's cool. John, <laughs> no, you got, you got all beard products. I, ah, come on, you can't be, can't be telling people. To- it is on my mind. <laughs> it's, it's coming soon, coming soon. We all got to have multiple uh, avenues, uh, ways of making money. You already know that. M Dollar. Yo, what's good? We back at it again. <laughs> I missed y'all so much. Yeah. Yo, did y'all notice that it's been an abundance of black movies popping up on TV, like on Netflix and Hulu? I'm seeing all, all the black movies popping up right now in this past couple of days. 
What kind of movies are we talking about? We just talking about movies and in black general. Movies, like, you know, black cast, black things. I'm seeing a lot more popping up on Netflix and Hulu uh, in the past like couple of days. For you, for you guys, creative wise, what is like what stuff like that's going on right now? Does that, um, I guess, shape the, the things that you want to make, the content that you want to create? Um, um oh, good, definitely. I I know for me, uh, you know, in light in light of what's going on, you don't want to be tone deaf either, and post things that are, you know, this is a huge global conversation that obviously been a conversation our reality for a long time. Um, but for example, some some brands have sent me some bags to take pictures in, and I had a call up this brand the other day because they had already paid me to to do the promo. And I said, honestly, like in light of what's going on, I have to kind of center my post, um, speaking directly to this matter and being creative and working on some YouTube videos about what's going on. And I told them, I know that you know you already paid me for the promo for the post, but I don't feel comfortable when people are marching outside saying, "Go buy this purse from your brand." and use my promo code. So my, you know, focus has definitely been, you know, kind of changed because of what's going on. Yeah, same here. I um, I was saying during, um, you know, Real Fans Real Talk, our latest episode, uh, which is a great one, everybody should listen to it and check it out. Um, I found myself stuck creatively because as much as I love a good sports debate or a good sports topic, I don't feel this is the right time. Um, to even address anything other than the major issue at hand. And it's a little tough. It's, it's, I'm frustrated by some things that are going on and frustrated by being in quarantine. And I got topics I want to talk about. But at the same time, I know this isn't the right time. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot going on. And you, I mean, you, you kind of you still got to have those moments in between, because if not, you'll just be overwhelmed by everything that's going on outside world and outside world you know with the murder of george floyd all the protesting and then we're still under quarantine pretty much from uh, you know from COVID. so it's a lot that's going on so you got to kind of squeeze in you know what i'm saying something something different just to clear your your mind of everything that's that's been going on and you know like for me especially because just I'm, I'm I got it from every angle, and then you know, like Eric said, we just went in on a whole hour long episode for Real Fans Real Talk, just going in depth with it. So I'm constantly going through pictures and video as I'm editing this episode up. So it's definitely a lot. Yeah, I think that like for, for the most part, the quarantine definitely plays a big role in what's going on because it's like we, we're sitting here with our thoughts. We can't run away from them, you know. Uh, we. You know, uh, we in Zoom meetings all day or whatever, um, and so you don't really get a, a chance to really get a true tone of how people feel and see what's going on with people outside of your um, actual home. Um, recently, like my job, we been having like meetings and stuff like that, and um, they kind of started a whole initiative with a lot of the uh, people that we work with that are white to, I guess, to kind of um, you know help them become aware of what's going on, and and it was pretty much like a staple in that whole like listen the black people are not gonna keep telling y'all what's going on like y'all gotta figure this out on your own so they kind of started their own little coalition um it's a good thing um but i i a lot of times when stuff like that happens it bothers me because i feel like these things continue to happen and, and what ends up you know what what is a, a whole uh a, you know we getting killed out here ends up being individual moments each time somebody you know loses their life so it, it sucks um eric you touched on uh 
you know, sports and stuff like that. We had some stuff going on with sports recently. Um, JR beat somebody down. Drew Brees spoke out and said some crazy stuff. Uh, uh, that gave me, you know, so it, it, it's sports, but it's not the sports uh, type of news that we, you know, necessarily want to hear about. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind having those those talks about Dak, um, you know, about the NBA possibly coming back, um, JR situation, which is, you know, it, I understand why JR did it. You know what I'm saying? Somebody trying to vandalize your property, you're going to catch these hands, bro. And, and that's what it was. Um, and and I, listen, because JR's previous instances, we quick to get on JR. But, bro, if somebody vandalizes your car, they got to catch them beats. It nah, is what it is. That JR video was so funny. It was so funny because he knew that someone was recording, so he knew it was going to get out. And the fact that he went on and was like, look, before y'all see this, I beat somebody's ass today. You know why? Because they hit my car. Like I was like, he is the realest. No, because you don't want to get a hate crime right now in the, in the midst of everything that's been going on. You know, you don't want the media trying to turn it into a, a white versus black thing. Oh, J.R. Smith beats up a, a random white guy during protests. You know what I'm saying? So he had to put the narrative out there before it got to the media and, and they told the story that they wanted to tell. You know what I'm saying? And like you said, Eric, stop bringing stuff on my car. Like, you got to get the beats. But I'm sorry, man. Right. That's yeah, a fact. It, like, it, it, and, 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 you know, we had the conversation about, um, you know, protesters and the looting and how a lot of times the news wants to make it seem like all of the black protesters are the one looting. A lot of the white people out here looting, and that was a white person who was looting in the wrong neighborhood, and he caught the beats for it. And this is not what the protest is about. The protest is not about to go around looting and destroying property. So you out there, you were trying to do your own thing, and you caught a beating for it. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna get to those other protesters, but you know, Drew Brees, he's a uh, he's a legend, NFL legend, uh, forty one. Uh, he lost that legend know, he status for me. After his comments yeah, today, he lost that legend status. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, he's broken a lot of he's broken a lot of records. Um, uh, Eric was Eric was just saying earlier that you know he stood with these guys in twenty sixteen um, in Nild or whatever, and um, for him now to come back and say that he doesn't understand why uh, you know people are kneeling um, for the national anthem, uh, and of course it's the same thing where we're just kind of saying like we don't understand why you don't understand it's not about the flag. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand why. First, why are you even still saying that? I, I think, you know, Drew Brees, or I thought he had some level of intelligence. But the fact that you keep trying to connect this to, to the flag and the anthem and all of that, which it has nothing to do with, is just crazy, as opposed to saying, you know what, maybe I should have a conversation with a couple of my black teammates and see what kind of experience they've had. Up who? <laughs> the whole team? So, yeah, but, you know, but see, yeah, and see why they're so adamant about, you know, the protests and, and, and what they deal with on on a regular day-to-day basis. And, and you know, let's, it's not just about police killing unarmed black people. That's just one aspect of it. It's jobs. It's education. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many different areas. It's, it's, it's real estate. So, you know, we don't have – until we get that type of equality and you can't even have a conversation with your, with your brothers that, that go to war with you, but if, if, if one of them linemen say, you know what, a, a word, that's how you feel, and step to the side and your ass take a big hit, you know, from a linebacker on the other side of that football, you'd be upset. So you should want to have a conversation 
with your with your with your, with your African American counterparts on that team. Absolutely, you would think that the sport that he plays, um, the area he plays in, New Orleans, uh, the work that he put in for that city after Hurricane Katrina, that he would at least be a little more aware of the real issue at hand. The issue is not protesting the national anthem or the flag, as Anthony mentioned. There are a lot of other things that go into this. You would also think that since the NFL recently came out and said, we need to adjust the Rooney rule because we see that there are still hurdles for black candidates who are, who are more than qualified to be general managers and front office execs but, and, and head coaches, but for some reason they're not getting the job, that Drew Brees would have at least realized that, hey, look, there is a bigger issue at hand, and maybe I don't know all the details and I don't know all the answers, but I still respect everyone's view and how they decide to protest. But instead, he went completely left. He went to the other side of the debate and made it seem as if this is solely about the anthem and the flag. Well, he's doing the classic um, the deflection that everyone else is doing. It's, it's the same as people who are saying or shouting Black Lives Matter and then the response is All Lives Matter. That's basically what he's doing. He's deflecting because we all know that Kaepernick and nobody was disrespecting the flag. And I never understood the correlation between the national anthem and the flag, right? Like I never, I never understood the correlation. And it's, it's odd for him to speak about his parent, his um, uh, grandparents being soldiers when we know that black soldiers also fought around that time and also dealt with the segregation and the disrespect. And um, I just, you know, told you guys a little earlier that my grandfather was in the Korean War and he told me he wasn't. Um, offended by Kaepernick's stance of kneeling because he knew he remembers the time fighting and fighting for a country that's still disrespected and didn't include him in, you know, these laws didn't include him in the national anthem. So um, it's also odd to me that he would make these comments during a time such as now that there's yeah. people rioting over police brutality. Right. Like let's stay focused on the issue at hand. So um, just super weird. And I'm, I mean, this, this to me hurts his legendary, uh, track record of being an icon because it's just like your character. It's it's no good. Right. That's, what, that's right. why I'm glad everybody's been getting at him. Right. And 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 like I said, I'm I'm surprised that he would be so close minded on this issue because he was one of the people that was front line during the recovery from Hurricane Katrina. So he was out there and he saw the struggles of black men and women in New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. He saw when that when the help wasn't coming and the AIDS and the relief wasn't coming at that time. So for him to make it seem as if like everything is right in the country and you shouldn't be disrespecting the flag or I'm not going to stand for someone disrespecting the flag is, is bigger than the flag. It's about but, inequality. Well, you know what I take from situations like Hurricane Katrina and, you know, other issues that are not just like directly directed at black people. They're not directly directed at black people. So when, when you talk about Hurricane Katrina, although these are like a lot of impoverished neighborhoods and people that are kind of getting the short end of the deal when you've got a, a lump sum of people that you kind of put together that are dealing with certain tragedies it's kind of easy for people to, to put on their blinders and say hey um you know this is a people thing this isn't just a, a issue dealing with a certain demographic or different group of people or different race of people or whatever but like it, and, and 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 for them that's kind of how that's what makes sense to them i think what also is getting um lost in translation um is seeing how people are protesting and, and not even just protesting, just how they just just reacting to stuff. Um, I feel like far too often things happen and then there's a reaction to that to what happens. So 
what ends up happening is we look at the reaction to what happened, but we don't look at what caused the reaction to what happened. So when they see, you know, these people out here looting and doing whatever the case may be, pretty much acting like they don't care. Um, that's all they see. They don't understand that there's a whole systematic um, foundation that caused people to, to get to this point where they're just like, listen, I don't know what's going to work. I don't know what's going to make y'all listen. You know, and then you got people like Dak and uh, uh, Jordan that are like going into the police department and it's like, they don't need no more money, bro. <laughs> they don't need no more money. Like they keep getting, you keep giving them money for training and it's like, it's not the training of these, these, these departments. It's these actual people. It's their mindsets. It's where they come from is it's, it's a lot of other things that have to do with um that, that that come into play before they even put that uniform on we we all have friends and family that are officers they don't do the same things that these other people do you know a lot of this stuff come they, they, they comes before they even put these uniforms on for some people that's a means for them to actually um i guess feel important so by them feeling important and be able to um install some type of law they you know they, they get kind of crazy with it and they get they get punched drunk with it and they just don't know what to do Right. But you, I mean, you made a great point there, Sean. But again, that also speaks to just how closed minded he is, because there were plenty of white football players who said, hey, look, I may not kneel during the anthem, but I'll still sh show support and I'll put my hand on your shoulder or I'll pray with you before. Um, Chris Long, who was with the Eagles with Malcolm Jenkins, as Malcolm Jenkins would protest, even though Chris Long wouldn't take a knee, he would stand right next to him, put his arm on his shoulder and she's like, yo, we're in this together because even though I don't know your situation, I want to I want to know and I want to understand it so that I can be a better person. Um, Aaron Rodgers himself, he didn't kneel, but he stood arm in arm with a lot of teammates during the protest to show them that even though I don't know what it is to be a black man, I'm willing to at least listen and figure out how we can make this better. For Drew Brees to just openly call it disrespect, to me, that's that's the, the biggest issue with this statement. It is not disrespectful what any of these players were doing. I just wish that they had this, like, I wish that people had this same energy and passion for, for the, the police killing black folks, though. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, people go so hard for that. But it's like, why are you not, why are you missing the message? Why, why can't you just go hard for the fact that cops are getting acquitted for killing black men in broad daylight. I don't understand it. And even when Kaepernick was kneeling, it was like people were going so hard over him kneeling. And it's like, but but focus on what he's kneeling for. It's it's just, it's- That's what I'm saying, it's the reaction. There's a lot of oblivious people that no matter how much you put it right there in their face, they can see something else. Like I literally watched a Facebook conversation of someone saying that racism isn't as bad as the media makes it out to be and the whole conversation stemming from <laughs> that, that statement. Boy, stop. <laughs> and I, I, like, I, it's just like, yo, you just, you really can't believe it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the person is, you know, one of those people that comes to defense, like, you know, I hang out with a lot of black people and I do this and, and I, you know, with black people. And it's just like, you know, just because you experience black culture, it, it doesn't mean you've experienced what it is to be a black person. Yeah. And a lot of people people miss that. Yeah. Yeah. And, sorry. So Kaepernick um actually spoke out on George Floyd and I think when this first happened, everyone seen this split screen image, right, of the cop kneeling and Kaepernick kneeling. And it was kinda like, you know, you guys probably would have rather a peaceful protest that you ignored. Um, so what Kaepernick 
tweeted was when civility leads to death revolting is the only logical reaction he concluded we have the right to fight back rest in peace george floyd the cries for peace will rain down and when they do they will they will land on deaf ears because your violence has brought this resistance we have the right to fight back so when i read that it was kind of literally like i told you so been been kneeling you know yeah. been being peaceful so what what does that mean to when you have people what does that mean when you have people like jay-z that are stepping in these rooms and doing um i think that was on our, our, our uh yeah so you know people so does it do you think that we need to actually be in these actual rooms to actually be able to make change because it seems like when you're on the outside i guess looking in when you're like maybe a player and you're playing for an establishment they don't listen um do you think it makes sense for somebody to be an actual, like, you know, like a person like Jay-Z to kind of like work with these leagues and do stuff to try to, you know, make these people understand? I mean, because you're never really going to make them understand. It's always about a dollar. We need that, but we also need our white counterparts to yeah. step up and say when something is wrong, too. Because obviously we've been saying this for over 400 years and they ain't listening to even the most famous, the most rich, the most successful uh, minorities. They're not listening to them. So, you know. And when you have someone like Drew Brees making the comments that he makes, you know what I'm saying, that really hurts the, the movement and trying to get equality because he's a, a figure who can actually make a difference if he says, you know what, I'm standing with my brothers on this one. You know what I'm saying? This is wrong. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening. Guys like Drew Brees, the Tom Brady's of the world. You know, shout out to Taylor, Taylor Swift. You know, I don't really mess with her music, but she's been very out, outspoken. But you need you need those type of, uh, of of white people speaking up as well. You know, what I'm saying as the Jay Zs who have that power that can call up the governor of Minnesota and say, "Yo, something got to mm -hmm. be done." But you also need you know the white counterparts. You, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world, the the Matt Damon's, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's, Madonna's. You need all of these people as well speaking up because those are the people who can reach those rural middle america people that really have no clue of you know what i'm saying of, of what it actually is to live as a black person or, or a minority in general in america yeah I, I think you gotta have that voice in a room i've always said that and when jay took that position with the nfl that was the first thing i said to defend the move yeah um and I always revert back to a story that Michael Rubin, who's the one of the owners of the Sixers, said when he met Meek Mill. And he didn't know anything about Meek's situation. From the outside looking in, he just thought Meek was, you know, some Philly rapper who probably had some legal issues. And when he got to know Meek and see the issues he went through with the justice system, it really opened his eyes to want to be a part of prison reform and helping out. And the same thing happened with Robert Kraft with the Patriots. You know, there are a lot of white people who just like as Anthony said, don't know what it's like to be a black person in America and have to deal with the issues day in, day out, whether it's with the police, whether it's prejudice, whether it's stereotypes against you. And so you got to have someone who's a voice in the room who can at least enlighten these people and at least give, make them open up their, their eyes and their ears to what's going on. So that way we can start seeing some change. But without a voice in the room, it's always going to be tough because they're never going to they're never going to go off what the news says. They need someone personal to them that can explain it to them and breaking it down into the simplest form. Yeah. And um, I 100% agree with the both of you. I think not only do you need someone in the room, we need people that look like us that are in powerful positions to really change things. So, you know, it's not enough just to have a rep, right, in the NFL 
that's black maybe in the room with owners we need a black owner you know what i mean like you it's it's not just uh i think just having the voice we need to be in a position where we can really make big moves and you know when you look at um just the structure of us trying to apply for loans and business loans and um you know we talk a lot about hollywood and having black um publicists and all these things like you need people in the positions that actually are narrating you know and changing the 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 narrative of black folks and also having that voice to be like hey maybe that's offensive just like h&m when that happened with the shirt and the monkey if they had potentially maybe somebody of color just one person maybe Yo, i ain't been back in that store since i even though i can't win nothing in it but i ain't same. been back in that store since <laughs> same and so maybe they had one person to say hey like this is not Okay, because I always compare everything to the Jewish people because that seems to be, like, people can, people get it when you talk about Holocaust, right? So I always say, like, if we were thinking of an ad to come out and I had something that made a joke about the Holocaust, if I had a Jewish person on the board that say, hey, that's offensive. Well, you got to also think about, you got to also think about when considering the Holocaust. The Holocaust is within, what, the last hundred years, for one. Two, is is a faction of people that were white. You know, that's another thing. And three, also, when when talking about the Holocaust, when you go to these other countries, they don't try to wipe that history away. They, they talk about it. They don't do how, how, how uh, they do over here in America, where that's the first thing they talk about with black people, whomever. They, they, they talk about slavery. And, then they, and when they talk about slavery, it's like a, a, a pint size and they keep it moving. They yeah. don't tell you about the ins and outs and everything that's going on. So it's a lot that goes into play with that or whatever. And like I said, they, it, you know, we joke all the time, like, you know, and say Paul Mooney said a complexion for the protection. Like when you when you're Jewish and 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 you, and you come in in certain places, you kind of have a connection, even though you know you're, you're part of a, a certain religious group. You still have a different connection because you are white. At the end of the day, um, I, I said earlier this week to somebody that just growing up, it's crazy because my parents never really had that conversation with me, but a lot of things that they kind of instilled in me. Um, walking out the house looking a certain way, leaving out the house, making sure that you have money in your pocket, making sure you have your ID, uh, making sure that you don't act up when you in public. Um, seeing some, and, and, and then as an adult now, like let's say I'm somewhere on the train and, and I see someone that's acting out that looks like me, I kind of cringe. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and it sucks in this because it's like when you can't really say nothing to them because they are younger. Um, the, a lot of times, these younger generations don't look at race and things the same way that we do because they see stuff a little bit differently. Like a lot of stuff is blurred now. Um, you can't even really, like, even when you're talking about stuff like rap, you don't even know where some of these people is from anymore because everybody sounds the same. You know what I mean? For them, a lot of times, everything is kind of post-racial, whereas it's post-racial because you got to think, if you're a kid that was born in the last, like, maybe 10 to 15 years, you know, you know about having a black president. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people can't necessarily say that. Yeah, I never thought about that. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 a lot that you gotta understand. So it's like you know, we 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 have these kids that are around us, these nephews, cousins, whomever, whatever, and 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 you know they they're impacted by it differently. Like my younger cousin, he sends me stuff like videos online. A lot of a lot of times, I want to send him back something. And I'm like, yo, check this out. You know, what I'm saying, I know you want to laugh, and I know you want to know what's going on. But listen, you gotta you gotta figure out what's going on with you. You gotta understand your path because. The fact that we got to do double to get half of what somebody else gets mm-hmm. is disheartening. The fact that, you, and, and, and even for me, even when you're in these workplaces, a lot of times we have our white counterparts. They, um, 
they get it. They understand racism is wrong. Racism is wrong, but they don't understand that the, 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 the smaller uh, uh, subliminal, not subliminal, but the um, unconscious things that they do that kind of show their privilege. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of things that we don't do because we have to think twice about those things. They can pretty much go into some of these rooms and say, I'm, I demand this or I expect this or whatever the case may be. A lot of times when we get into these rooms, we got to think about how we're going to present this. We got to think about how we're going to say, hey, um, I did X, Y, Z. Whereas sometimes our, our counterparts don't do the same thing. So it's 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 a it's an imbalance on many different levels, many different ways. I think this um, you know, what's going on right now, it kinda makes you forget about COVID a little bit. People are outside protesting and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean it's it's making us forget about a lot of things, um, because we forget that even though we're only into the sixth month of the year, uh just a few months ago our so called president was supposed to be getting impeached. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got swept under the rug now because we have COVID, uh, which we didn't handle properly to begin with. And now we had these three murders back to back um, that, you know, have have led to this uprising. And in a way, it's kind of a perfect storm because um, Anthony highlighted it so great during the last episode of Real Fans Real Talk. The, the country as a whole is at this boiling point. Like this is the highest unemployment has been since the Great Depression. And so when you throw that in with you know, the police brutality and the killings and the fact that we have a a president that's so incompetent that he continues to put us in these bad situations, you know, bombing the Middle East a few months ago, not handling COVID the right way. And now we're our home city has the the most cases in the world in just a matter of months. And then now with this and him saying things like when the looting starts, the shooting starts and him pepper spraying the, the protesters the other day because his ego was hurt that he was forced to his bunker, which... So some people who don't realize his bunk is probably the size of a five bedroom house. Yeah. But he yeah. upset. But he upset because he got to go to his bunker. Well, he I, don't want to look like a punk. That's why. He, well, he he been a punk. He been a yeah, punk. Yeah, well, we know that. But I'm just right. saying he want to look. He, he's been mind, a punk. He's one of those oblivious people that in his mind. Yeah. He, that's why he was talking to the governors the way he was. But they not being right. tough enough, and this, he, this is a he, bunch of garbage. He he think he tough, but he he dodged the draft when he was supposed to go to the war. So you know we know he he been a sucker, but. You know, with everything that's going on, and I don't want to be a creature at the moment, I do feel like this is going to be one of those moments in history we're going to look back and be like, there was change that came from that. Because I think the people are so fed up with everything that's been going on over the last few years that it's reached a point where the people are willing to push it to whatever limit they need to push it to. And we're seeing it. I can't remember a time that people were fighting back the police as much as they are right now. Yeah. They definitely, they definitely out here trying to get the police a few fair ones or whatever. I, I mean, I want people to be safe out here and, and don't and don't like chance it too much or whatever. But I, I understand the frustration, and that's the part that everybody does not understand. If you're not of these communities, um, you don't understand that we tired, bro. We tired. Yeah. We tired. We tired of you talking to us crazy. We tired. We tired of you not giving us a job for when, when we deserve it. We tired of. We tired of. You know, it's it's situations where you can have like a homeless white person and a black per- uh, whatever person, and they'll go out and, and and take care of that homeless white person. We like, yo, dog, like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Or or, or situations where it's like, uh, you got two drug dealers. One 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 has a drug problem, the other one is a drug dealer, but they both doing the same thing. Like it's it's so many different parallels and so many different things, man. People just not trying to hear that no more. Like, I don't expect you to understand. Everybody's not gonna understand. Everybody. Every each and every time when somebody had an uprise throughout history or whatever, everybody didn't understand. You know what I'm saying? You got to get down and lay down and figure it out. It is what it is. You can't sit here and expect everybody to to understand what's what. Um, 
I was having a conversation with somebody last night. Um, do you? How do you guys feel about us not really having like any vocal leaders? I guess overall, like the Malcolms and the Martins, like we like we had in the past or whatever. I know that probably scared a lot of people because they, you know, they got assassinated. Like, but how do you guys feel about us not necessarily having those type of leaders? Listen, I t- yesterday. This was on my mind so heavy. I'm so happy you just asked that. When we did this Blackout Tuesday, and it was so unorganized. I don't know if you guys have seen what was going on with the Blackout. Oh, that's coming up. Yeah. But, oh, my fault. But the leader's question kind of made me think of that because the Blackout Tuesday was, like, so poorly executed. You had people hashtagging Black Lives Matter. You go on the hashtag and everything's erased. All the all the information needed for the donations, for the GoFundMe's, everything. Then it was an election day. So, hold, hold on. Can you, can you go a little bit deep? Because I, I heard about it, but I didn't really know yeah. too much. So the, the information was being erased. So this, is, this is what was going on. So, basically, everyone have been using the hashtag Black Lives Matter ever since a couple of years ago when it started with Trayvon Martin. So that has always been a hashtag filled with information because if you follow hashtags on Instagram, Black Lives Matter, um, a lot of public leaders are always saying, make sure you guys, like when Sean King has, you know, a petition that's coming up, he'll say, make sure you hashtag, you know, George Floyd's name. Yeah. So the hashtag has been filled with a lot of great information, a lot of support. Um, the top, the way hashtags even work, the top post, um, are going to be the ones that pop up at the top trending ones, right? So those are usually from leaders like Sean King and and, um, just other leaders that are making moves. So when everyone did the blackout, people were doing hashtag Black Lives Matter. So now when you look at the hashtag of Black Lives Matter, it's black squares. Everything's gone. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were like, this was poorly executed. Now, some people did the hashtag correctly where they did Blackout Tuesday, which makes sense. Yeah. So even that was something that was really odd. And then a lot of people were just speaking about in a time that I, and I, and I, I did black out my page as well. But even after I did it, I said, wait, I should have thought about this a little more in a time that we need to keep pushing. We were kind of being silent and then it, you know, then it was like, okay, well today's the day we're going to buy black, but then a lot of black brands lost money. Mm-hmm. So it was a very confusing, like, is this helping our dollar? Is it not helping? Or is it silencing us, showing solidarity? Like, it was really confusing. And it made me just think of leadership and uh, and us as a people trying to find a better way to lead. And I don't think we have, like, prominent leaders right now. Killer Mike is, in my opinion, um, a really, really good one. I really like the things he says. I, I was listening to him yesterday while I was running and I think that he is the closest thing in my mind, him and Sean King and a few others. But um, we definitely don't have the Malcolms and Martins that we had before. And, it, and it's showing from our disorganization. And we can't hear you, bro. I said we could definitely use that. We definitely need to have like some kind of unified voice. And there are a lot of individuals that step up that I see. You know, uh, my son actually is, is one who's kind of always in the midst of any type of go to the Bronx. Social media. Yeah, word. Shout out, shout out to my son, shout out to the Bronx. Um, so we definitely need that. The only thing is, you know, it, it, it's hard It's hard for individuals to get to those points now to where you can have someone who is reaches the status of a, of a, of a Malcolm or a Martin because – we, everything is just so separated from each other, more so than it was in in the fifties 
and 60s, you know what I'm saying? So it's a little bit different now. Um, and, and really quick, I want to go back because we had spoke about, you know, about people invoking Martin Luther King's name in regards to the riots and whatnot. And one thing people don't realize is after Martin Luther King got assassinated, there was like a whole week of rioting throughout the country in various different cities throughout the country. And from those riots actually came legislations that, that help minorities. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so I, I mean... I, no, no, I, I agree. Um, leadership is definitely needed. Um, as M mentioned, you know, with social media, it's tough because there's so many different ideas and quote-unquote solutions that float around that it becomes disorganized and becomes just kind of jumbled up. Um, there, there are a lot of great leaders out there, but, you know, I think that we also got to be mindful that we speak of Malcolm and Martin the way we do uh, because of the work they did. But during that time, they were not as appreciated as they were until they passed. And so in order for it to really work, we got to unify and appreciate the work that people are putting in now um, and not let them die as martyrs for their cause and then say, oh, man, that person was so great. We got to unify while that person's alive and do it while that person's alive to be able to lead us. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what I was Kaepernick saying. Because like, Kaepernick may actually count as one. I, right I put Kaepernick in that group. I yeah. definitely put him in that group. I think um, if it, as you guys mentioned, my son does great work. Uh, Killer Mike, I, I really like Killer Mike because not only is he so articulate, but he's so well-versed in the history of the country. I love it. So I always appreciate somebody, again, that, that understands the history and can really break it down for you. Um, but it, on the athlete side, you know, Kaepernick is definitely there. I think Malcolm Jenkins, for, for the work that he's done for quite some time in the NFL as well. And we always see LeBron be very vocal and willing to stand on his brand as well. He's got a lot to lose, but he's not, he's not worried about what he can lose he's worried about being a messenger that we need i think well having these having these uh individuals that we their leaders um be charismatic be well-spoken be able to, to articulate and be able to say those, these things that are on their mind and be able to you know express themselves and express the feelings that, that those of us have are very 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 important because that's a huge part of the problem right there in itself for years they didn't want us to be smart Literacy was like it's like it's like a, it's a huge issue with a lot of people. Um, for years, um, you know, we've probably had older family members, older people that we know, probably didn't really do what they thought they could do because they didn't feel empowered enough, you know, education-wise or whatever ways to do certain things. So seeing these people that are athletes that are just like you and I, um, is very important. Rappers, um. Um, you know, uh, athletes or whatever, they're, they're very important because, you know, in our communities, those are the people that we look up to a lot, you know. Um, Le LeBron definitely did a lot to put himself in a, in, a, in, a, in a place to actually be able to do that. I think Steven Jackson was saying, like, yo, what he did for him and his friends and what he's doing this in general is dope. It's amazing because very few people actually bring their friends in and lay a foundation to to do what to do what they do you know what i'm saying all that stuff they're doing uninterrupted um the shows yeah. the 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 you know representing people like those are huge things like he he, 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 he uh, fired his um his agent or whatever i don't think he, i don't know what really happened with that i don't think they really had an issue but he fired his agent he brought his friends in and he making some major moves they representing all these people and they don't like that and, you know before that he, he put his friend on to learn from the agent who was his, right. his previous agent and from studying the game tapes he was able to transition into becoming uh, right. LeBron's agent. Right. LeBron, he he put friends through school. He helped get his friends 
internships with some of these bigger sneaker companies and position themselves. And like you said, when he felt they were ready, he took the gamble that most people criticize him for and said, nah, I'm rolling with, with my people that I trust the most and put them in position to, to create generational wealth and be able to take care of their families forever. And no matter how you feel about LeBron as a player, as a man, I can't think of anything negative to say about him because from day one, he has been a family man with his kids, his, at the time, his, his girlfriend, who's now his wife, um, his mother sitting courtside. LeBron has done everything the right way. And he definitely, to me, is one of the leaders from the sports and entertainment side of things. One other reason, too, that we don't see someone with the, with, with the impact of, of Martin or Malcolm is a lot of the guys that are at the forefront also have other things going on. At the time, Martin's yeah. mission in life was the civil rights movement. Same thing with, with Malcolm. Right. As you say, you have a, a LeBron who might be at the forefront, but he's also in the midst of his basketball career, in the midst of doing movies and all this other stuff. Same thing with your Jay-Z. This one day he can call the governor, but Jay-Z still got, he still got to run, you know what I'm saying, Rock Nation and... and, 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 and all these other companies that Jay-Z has. So we don't really have someone who is just fighting for social injustice. Everybody is doing it, but they got other things going on. Even Killer Mike, he got businesses he got to run. He's still, in, you know what I'm saying, involved in the music industry. You know what I'm saying? So we, we don't have that one person who everything is focused on that and that alone. Yeah. Well, you, you well you had those, they were religious leaders. Um, Malcolm was was very engulfed in um, the nation of Islam. Um, he kind of he left. He, he had his issues with them. He left. He came back. Um, Martin was a reverend. But what what ends up getting um, put on the forefront a lot is you know their personal life, and that's you know what people do. You know they had they had the, the, the CIA. They was tapping phones and stuff like that. They were trying to do all these different things to try to like make them look crazy, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. I'm not, we're not going to say that these people are perfect. However, it's not about that. We're talking about injustice. We're talking about people having equal rights and stuff like that. So that's what ends up happening. So I think in, in a certain way, in, excuse me, in a different way, they were always kind of trying to, you know, change the narrative of things. Like it always was, oh, well, they're doing this. Oh, well, they're doing that. Or like how, you know, uh, with George Floyd, they said that uh, potentially there may have been a counterfeit $20, $20 bill. But it's like, yo, fam, it was a dude that was down in South Carolina and went and shot a whole church up. I mean, I gave him Burger King. And one, like, one, of the things, one of the things we got to do as a community is hmm. if we don't like a particular person or message, we have to stop being openly against that person. I think too many times we, we divide ourselves with that. As you mentioned, Martin's character was getting slandered by the FBI. J. Edgar Hoover was trying to find any and every reason to, to say why Martin wasn't a leader. And we do that to ourselves. When Jay-Z took that position with the NFL, there were plenty of people who were very vocal against it without actually seeing what he had in the works, what he was planning on doing. I think now that we're about a year and a half in, he's shown us that he's trying to make changes. He's one of the guys who has openly spoke about changing the Rooney Rule. He called the governor of Minnesota saying we demand justice. He worked to get Kaepernick his, his workout. We, we also talked about him putting together platforms so that young artists could showcase their music with the NFL and inner city reach. So, too many times we're so negative towards a person that we don't give it a chance to work. Or at least if you don't like the person, listen, don't publicize it because we already know the other side is hating already. They already the got Willie, something negative to say. The Willie Lynch syndrome. That's all that yeah. is. Yeah, they already going they already gonna slam his name anyway. So we as a community, we gotta keep that to ourselves and say, look, give him a chance to see if it can work. Then if it don't work, then you have every right to say whatever you wanted to say. 
I kind of disagree. I think it depends heavily because you got shit going on today. Like, like Trina and Lil Wayne commented on this movement. And we have a lot of leaders that are saying really foolish things right now. And people are calling them out on it. I think it's, it's not obviously the same thing as Jay-Z joining, uh, kind of making an alliance with the NFL because I was one of those people at the time where I thought it was crazy. And so he definitely proved me wrong because I was kind of like, what? But to, you know, when Sean spoke about earlier about on the, on the show and be like, nah, Jay, what you doing? Get up out of there. Chill. You bugging up. You know, you didn't do that. Nah, but I, and I, and, and I get what you're saying. I'm like, with Trina and Wayne, that's different. That's them voicing their opinion, and then we're responding to their opinion. Yeah. What I'm talking about is we'll have a person that's in a position that can help make change, and before we even allow them to show us what they could do, we're already trying to tear them down. Give that person an opportunity to show us first. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's a test of the microwave era that we're in, though. You know, a lot of people, they want stuff done right away. They, nobody want to cook nothing up. They don't want to try to wait for stuff to yeah, happen. he literally had just signed the paperwork, and they were talking shit. He didn't even... Been, uh, in the office yet yeah, before yeah. they start hating on hoes. Yeah, well, my next, well, so my, my, my next question would be, does everybody's platform, I guess, make sense? You know what I mean? Like, you got the trainers and the little wings of the world. These people actually never really, st- st- you know, st- never really had, a, never really stand out, stood out and really said anything of importance um, all the time about social injustice and stuff like that. Although these are black people from, you know, Miami and New Orleans and stuff like that. So I, I know they, they, you know, they've experienced these things, but I feel like sometimes these people kind of get tone deaf once they get in these, once they get in certain tax brackets, they don't really quite understand that. Yo, I have friends that are in these situations. I think Trina spoke about she had a friend that uh, met, that lost a salon or something like that. But it's like, bro, like, like you said, like, listen, we gotta handle that when we handle that. You gotta understand there's so much going on. Like these people don't care. They don't know what's going on. You can't put no sign in your in your business saying like black owned business. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. So does everybody's platform matter? Because it seems like that's what's you know, everybody has a platform. Everybody wants to speak. Everybody wants to say something. Like how do we feel about these different people's platforms? Hell nah. I think some of them are tripping. And I think <clears throat> I think having a platform Having a platform, you know, it, it just, it's a certain responsibility because you are responsible for a lot of people. And, um, you know, when Trina said the words that she did about her own personal experience, I think sometimes for our counterparts, all it takes is one black leader to say, you know, to be against what the movement is for them to find the justification of it. So when she was saying, I don't have, to, I, don't have I think some of the stuff that she said was, um, I'm never scared when the police are behind me. I have my license and registration insurance. I'm not scared. I know my rights. And she was just saying that people were acting like zoo and like they escaped from the zoo and they need to lock them up. And it's just, um, you know, when Trick Daddy was talking to her, it was just like, if that's your own personal experience, speak from that, but it'll also speak to the issue and speak to them. The, even if you can't relate, you know, speak outside of that. And I think um, the issue with the issue with everyone with the platform speaking up, my only thing is, do your your personal due diligence and do research like don't just spew out things really if you have a question about the history of things don't just speak from a place of just ignorance really actually take the time and say hmm, maybe this is an area that i'm not knowledgeable on so let me do the research and really understand what i'm saying that's that's the only thing because some people right now are, are speaking out the side of their mouth and yeah. it's not helping yeah, you have to you have to watch that type of, of rhetoric just because you don't want to hurt everything that's that's going on. But at the same time, when you have a platform as big as a Trina's or or a little Wayne's, 
and you see something like what happened with George Floyd happen, it's your duty to speak out and say, yo, that's wrong. Those cops murdered that, that, that unarmed black man because they have access to millions upon millions of people of all races that are going to listen to them and say, damn, you know, we rock with Lil Wayne and, and Lil Wayne is saying that this is wrong. Maybe we should look, think about that and look into it. So I think they, they should speak, but you, you do have to be accountable as well for what you're saying and, and try not to say something that's going to hurt everything that, that people are trying to, to, to build up just because, you know what I'm saying, like you might have had a, a different experience or you may, now you're in a different tax bracket, so you don't experience certain things. Like you were saying, M, you were telling us about your, uh, your, your co-worker that time, you know what I'm saying, where he kind of was oblivious and you he just driving you crazy because, you know what I'm saying, he, he kind of forgot where he came from now because, you know, because he's doing better. So we have to be careful of that, be mindful of that. But I think God, people like on that level still do need to speak out when things like this happen, you don't have to go into, you know, all the extra stuff, but you can say, yo, this is wrong. Absolutely. Trina's comments are ignorant. Um, just because you have your license of registration and you're not scared when the cops pull you over, it doesn't mean it can't go left. Cause I'm sure Sandra Bland wasn't scared when she got pulled over and it went completely left. Um, so that has nothing to do with it. It could trigger at any moment just because of your skin tone. Um, and as Anthony mentioned, and, and it's a great point, Ant, you're right. When you have that platform, you've got to make people aware of everything that's going on so that they have a better understanding. But if you completely knock it and these people are animals and I don't feel scared, this and the third, now you start to create that thought amongst other people who don't know any better themselves. We got to remember a lot of people who run the social media for their information are not doing their own research. They're just going off of whatever that person on that platform is saying. Um, I'm and a I, fan and they said that right. so I'm gonna listen right. to it. And that's and, right. And they and they take that point and, and treat it as if that's fact when really that's just one person's opinion who may not be well informed themselves. And in regards to the original question about platforms and opinions, honestly, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I know we use it for what we do, but I think anytime you go on your platform, this goes for anybody, if you go on there and you're not well informed, I think you're doing a disservice to anybody who you're reaching out to. You got to be informed in, in things that you're saying and the opinions that you're giving. And then people can formulate their own opinions based off it. But if you're just going to use one particular instance and then try to run with it as it's fact, I think you're doing a disservice to everybody. I think that's you might as well be quiet if you yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Right. A lot of this is a test of these people with their everyday life in general, regardless of, you know, what's going on right now. You know, some people that. It's just how they are, period. You can tell somebody something is golden in, they, in, in, in their eyes or whatever, and they're going to run off and say, oh, well, you know so-and-so said X, Y, Z. And it's like, but did you look that up? And who told you that? I'm, I'm notorious for telling people, like, who's they? I don't know who they is. Don't tell me what they said because they probably didn't look it up. Did you look it up? <laughs> well, and a lot of these people don't have media training as – you know, and that, that's, a, that's a big thing. So whereas, let's say, you know, say one of us, you could ask us a certain question, and even if – we don't, you know, have the, the research down to a T of everything that's going on with everything involved. We can still address the situation in a way that it doesn't make, make one, make ourselves look ignorant, but also does not just hurt everything that, that we're all trying to accomplish as a people. Absolutely. How, how are we feeling about these riots? It got popping in Minnesota and, and, and they're, you know, they're going to other cities right now. Um, they, they, 
they ran through Fifth Ave. They've been running through everywhere. Um, I think for me, the the major thing that um kind of bothers me, I don't really want us to mess up our neighborhoods. We got to hit these people's pockets and go to their neighborhoods and stuff like that. But 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 we see what's the the absolute um aftermath for that: rubber bullets, gas, all type of unnecessary forces going on. Well, that's gonna happen regardless. <laughs> Just, like, if you out there and they wanna and they wanna do it, they gonna they gonna do it. But we, you know, what I'm saying, like you, you mentioned earlier about the, the president, he wanted to have a photo op, so he had some peaceful protesters sprayed and, you know, what I'm saying ravaged and just, you know, it, it was it just got real ugly outside of of the White House. So that's that's gonna happen, um, and it, and it's terrible that that does happen because it's like, yo, what what do you want us to do? You're telling us that you support peaceful protests on one breath, on another breath, you walk outside and you're gonna have your goon squad spray up a whole bunch of, uh, of peaceful protesters. So which is it? What do you want us to do? Yeah, I agree. I Listen, I wouldn't be out there rioting and looting, but I don't blame anybody for doing it because the people are fed up. And the only thing I ask, just be safe. Don't get hurt out there because we already know the cops ain't playing fair. Uh, they wasn't playing fair before this. They're not going to play fair during it. So I would hate to see somebody lose their life or get uh, seriously injured behind it. And like I said, I understand that the people are fed up. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that was my concern too, Eric, was we already know the relationship between police and, and black and brown people. So now that we're outside in this tension and just all that's going on, I was just fearful. You know, I watched those two young college students get dragged out their car from Morehouse and Spelman and that was, and they weren't even a part of the protest. They were driving through. And so seeing stuff like that, you don't want another George Floyd situation to happen while you're protesting for george floyd you know so that was my only thing well, but it, it I, happened already we, they, some, someone was killed on the on the protest already i heard that guy was, uh, yeah it was a, a restaurant owner who used to give free meals to police officers was was killed during the, what was all the riots that was going down um, so, 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 so it's already happening and and when you, when the message coming from up top is like you said Eric, uh when the looting starts the shooting starts what do you think is, is going to happen after that? They already, you already got the cops that just don't care anyway. And then when it's mayhem and madness like this, it's, everything is just intensified. So it's complete chaos. Even, you know, even the mayor, the mayor had to have a little reality check on himself. You know, like, I feel like he, he realized, you know, he might have a little bit of privilege, but his kids don't have, have, have that. Oh, with his daughter. Yeah, because his daughter got arrested and he kind of, you know, changed his tune a little bit. He was he was talking you know talking spicy to the you know about the NYPD and then when his daughter got arrested he kind of tailed it back a little bit you know what I'm saying and yo listen you're white you know what I'm saying you you might stand out people might know you the officers might know you but your daughter your son they're just another black face in the crowd mm-hmm. especially during a protest which might turn into rioting or looting they're li- they're just black faces in the crowd. I don't like it, it, it's it, it's it's rare that during all that commotion and the scuffle, so, some somebody's gonna be able to say, "Yo, that's the mayor's daughter." I couldn't even pick out the mayor's daughter out of a lineup right now. You know what I'm saying? So, in the scuffle, you got tear gas going everywhere, people's breaking glass and everything going on. How are you gonna know that's the that's the mayor's daughter? So he kind of even had a little reality check himself when that when his daughter got arrested. Speaking speaking of like the mayor's daughter, we're talking about Mayor de Blasio, the mayor of New York City. Um, 
you know, she she isn't a, a, a for, not a forefront person, but she's not a person that's in, in, in front of the public a lot. But she is a her father is a um, elected official that's of one of the largest cities in the world. And with that being said, so many other you know so many other people are stepping up, uh, professional athletes and stuff like that. Um, do y'all feel like some people are out here just for good press to try to like get some get some good looks for for themselves or whatever? Do they like do they really care? Like, because no, absolutely, you, you said yeah. the best. You said it best. And, and that's why I said, um, you know, we were having a discussion in the group chat about certain um, statements that release. At this point, to me, I'm more concerned with your actions than a tweet or Instagram post. Um, because unless we're going to sit here and keep scoring every white person who shows support now, you got to show me moving forward that you're going to continue to support. Um, it doesn't just stop with justice for George Floyd. You know, ultimately, we want to see these officers convicted sent to jail for the max maximum sentence. But when that's done, that doesn't mean that all of this goes away. There's still other issues that need to be addressed. There's more to this. So for all those white athletes and entertainers, musicians, and, and anybody of, of, of white stature who came forward and showed support, continue to show that support as it moves forward. Don't just show it now when it's popular. Um, Skip Bayless was on his show with Shannon Sharp, and he said himself, and it opened his eyes up. He said he started receiving emails from people who was putting out tweets who had never talked about inequality before. And now because it's the end thing to do, he's seeing all these high ranking CEOs and people of stature who are like, oh, yeah, we're with the movement now, too. And he even said it makes me question. Are they James Dolan? Right now, I will say this. And, and you know, Anthony and I, we always go back and forth about the Knicks and it's understandable. I, I love the Knicks. He can't stand the Knicks. Is James Dolan a good person? Probably not. Is he a good owner? Hell no. But I will say from my time, I worked with the Knicks community team for about three years. And from the things I've seen as a fan, I don't think he's racist. That's just my personal opinion. He, we were the only team in NBA history to ever employ a, a black president of basketball, a black general manager, and a black, black head coach at the same time. Not to mention other numerous minorities who have had high-ranking jobs within the organization. He should have released a better statement, though. I will agree to that, but I don't think he's racist. I think he, I think he's oblivious to what's going on because it's not his reality. Um, exactly. I think that's that's the case with a lot of with a lot of white people. They don't they don't they may not be racist in their everyday life, you know. But the the thing is, they have a certain level of privilege, and to where it kind of it allows them to be blind to not worry about these certain things. So if you're talking about he got money, you're talking about class, you're talking about wealth, and you also talking about he white. <laughs> Right. These are not things that are part of reality. You know what I mean? Well, you employ, you know, you employ how many black players and how many black athletes and people come to see your team play. Well, there's some people who are are exhausted by this topic. I seen someone post on Facebook, "Man, it's been crazy. I can't wait for this all to be over." And even the privilege to to say, "Wow, we're going through bad times. I can't wait for this to be over." I don't think that this young woman, white woman, really understood. Like, this isn't something that just is going to, next weekend, it's going to cool down. This is the reality for Black folks in America. This is not something that's just going to go away. Um, to answer your original question about people just kind of posting for, for cloud or just posting to post, um, if I see in this tweet that was like, if you have more Black Lives Matter posts than you do employees, like, you're, like, stop. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, to Eric's point, you have, this has to be your truth. So, 
for all the people in the banking industry, if you're going to keep hashtagging Black Lives Matter, think twice when you discriminate against someone trying to get a, a business loan or a student loan or whatever. Um, you know, same thing with Hollywood. All these entertainers, even including Black ones, who have all white teams and no one, no Black publicists. No, think about Black Lives Matter in all aspects of this movement. And that's where I really want to see the change. I'm really over a hashtag or a blackout post. I need black people in position. So, you know, you, you mentioned everybody being tired. Um, we, you know, we, we've been getting a lot of versus battles. We've been talking about versus for the last few weeks. I think we got a little change on things. We had a, uh, was it a, was it a versus? Was that a versus the gospel battle? Was it a battle or just were they just like just praising or whatever? Um, I, I think that was a real good thing for, um, you know, for these I communities. I didn't see the announcement a versus battle though, so I don't know. I don't think yeah. it was a versus. I think they did it on their own it's it's cool i mean i ain't yeah. gonna lie i ain't too man yeah i i no but it, it was it was a real it was a real big thing for for the communities because you got to understand when you think about these these uh, impoverished communities or these people that are uh, being treated unfairly a lot of these people look to religion for a sense of comfort um a sense of means to uh figure out what's going on um faith and whatnot so i think that was that was a real big thing um for them to do that and then when you have somebody like let's say uh, Trump to go in front of these religious statues and take these pictures. And then, you know, they start putting them side by side with Adolf Hitler and stuff like that. It kind of like, it makes you realize like, yo, like, you know, people always say like religion and politics are like two of the biggest things that people don't really like, like to talk about, but they kind of go hand in hand because they control so much um, in this world. Well, first of all, I would definitely watch a Marvin Sat versus Hezekiah Walker battle. That's number one. All right. If they go song for song, I'll tune in for that. Get my, my spiritual on real quick, you know, get that get that good feeling, that good vibe. Because I, I love gospel music. So I would I would definitely watch one of those versus battle. Plus, I mean that's honestly gospel music is is the music that'll uplift you and, and, and keep you going and and pushing on, man. You thought some never would have made it on or, you know what I'm saying? That that'll get you motivated to do whatever you got to do in life. So yeah. I'd be I'd be all for that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I just didn't tune in. I, I ain't say nothing, you know, like I went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Listen. I ain't know about it, but it was no announcement. It just happened. <laughs> nothing like praise. No, no, we, no we're, we're talking about the impact of it. But we're not just talking about necessarily that battle itself. Right. I'm, I'm just saying I'm saying as far as, like, how our communities are. You know, the black and brown communities, like, they go to church. Do they not go to – they go to church. You know what I'm saying? So when, when you – Knowing how these things are, are very impactful to them or whatever for them for, for us to have you know something um, people in our community to, to actually go to to kind of make people take their mind off of it or whatever because they don't want to always hear bad audio you know what I'm saying they want they want to hear something that's that's probably inspirational because some of these a lot of these folks is tired of crying a lot of these people is tired of just 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 worrying about what's going on it's just so much going on and like I just said you, then you got somebody like Trump that's that's taking pictures in front of religious um statues because because he know the vibes you know people you know what 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 gets the people he's doing well, I, just, everything he does for clout I think right now too though I don't know how y'all felt but like. Even my best friend called me yesterday because I had DM'd her something and she said, girl, I had to delete my Instagram app off my phone because she couldn't take it. It was, I was crying all week. I was waking up and looking, going down my feet and emotionally, it's just too much. It's too much. I was seeing too much. I couldn't, it was too much. And my, one of my coworkers, oh, did you watch the news last night? And I said, oh, <laughs> I, I said, I can't, it's too much. And to her, you know, it's just too much. So I think 
my whole point is, you know, Kurt Franklin and what they did. Um, I think our people, we need healing. We need motivation. We need to regroup. You know, luckily we got good news today about what's going on. So we can probably sleep a little better tonight. But this is a lot. This is really heavy. And like, yeah. it's very emotional for, for all of us. So, so I think it's important. Yes. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a huge gospel fan listener as well but i'm thinking i'm thinking about overall the impact wise and what it means for the communities yeah. of people um you know you, you were just talking about social media um it was a thing out there saying where, where uh tiktok was like if you had certain hashtags they weren't posting your stuff and that was a whole big thing with that as well so it's like now we're talking about the, these people in these uh these, these businesses are kind of like doing little things here and there to kind of spite you you got you got then you got uh people the leaders of uh was it Walmart? Yeah, Walmart. Uh, I think Taco Bell, Wendy's. A lot of these, these guys are uh, giving money to these, um, to these, to these, you know, these supremacist platforms. And it's like, yo, these are places that we go all the time. Like, yeah. how's well, your life going? A lot be? of things aren't, aren't made uh, public like that, overly publicized, to where we know. You know what I'm saying? Like now, during a time like this, you're gonna start seeing little things like that popping up everywhere. But even with that, you still gotta, gotta do research. And make sure what you you know saying is is legit. Well, yeah, somebody donate if McDonald's donate a million dollars to Trump, it's not publicized all over like it is. You know what I'm saying? So we're not necessarily going to even know that. So yeah, we'll keep going and supporting these places. You know what I'm saying? And we contribute a lot of money to all those those companies that you mentioned. Yeah, you know man, that dollar menu done got a lot of people through. You talking about never would have made it. <laughs> <laughs> would have ate if we have that four for four. You feel me? Right. You may get them soft shell tacos from Taco Bell. You gotta, make, you gotta make a decision though. You gotta make a decision now. Yeah, I, I think this situation um, as a people is having us look at these companies that we've been making rich for years. Um, Popeyes had tweeted like we're nothing without black folks <laughs> or Black Lives Matter or something like that. But yeah, um, TikTok with the hashtag, I thought that was kind of insane. Um, because to me, that's their way of, of showing that they're not really supporting if, if this movement is carrying through social media. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of companies right now, Chick-fil-A, Facebook, obviously we're going to touch on that, but you know, it's, it's, you're either getting crucified because you're not showing solidarity, but this is also going to cause this movement of black businesses because online, the push for black owned businesses have been crazy. I bought, I bought two of my friends' products early this week. One of my boys, he has a spice company, my boy Darren Harrell. Um, he was later Andre Harrell. Um, and one of my other boys, V, or whatever. Both of them are products of HBCUs, Historical Black Colleges University. We're talking about Johnson C. Smith University and Claflin. So I'm, I'm always going to ride off for my people. We're going to make sure that they get this money. Yeah, but it, it's definitely pushing. Like online, everyone's been tagging black only. And my beauty page, I'm getting, I got 100 followers today just because I've been tagged in other tag, other black owned businesses. So I think the, the, the black dollar is going to be pushed around heavy and, and these other businesses are going to hurt, especially those who are not supporting. As it should, as we talked about before, I think that's the biggest way to make an impact. We talk a lot about a black dollar. Eric, you are a Puerto Rican. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, what, what does that mean to you? Because I mean, we, we talk about a lot about black issues or whatever um we look at you like you want us you know we grew up in the same They're community black. We grew up in the same things but no but but, but for some but no but no i, I say this because some They're people black. some people don't see it that way you get what i'm saying absolutely we, we, I, live, in, I, we live in the bronx we know these things you know what i mean well, eric, eric is definitely not one of those look people at him. never see it that way eric is always no like, no no. <laughs> no but no but the, no but the thing is 
we get that but what i'm saying no, is I'm, know, I'm, 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 I'm bringing this up because these are these are the realities of the world that we live in or whatever right. you know what i mean like like what type of conversations are, are had you know with you and, and your friends or whatever um i mean first and foremost the majority of my friends are black um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost uh, as i always said you know growing up in the south bronx um I never viewed it any differently because my family never viewed it any differently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My mom had black friends. Um, my mom is black is married to a black man. Uh, my grandmother had black friends or, you know, all my family, we were raised that way. And even when I left New York, a majority of the friends I had were black um, because of the culture, because of the things I experienced growing up and just, we could always relate to each other. That's nothing against my Puerto Rican people, my Hispanic people, because I get along with them just as well. You know what I'm saying? But, um, they brought for the Afro Latino culture, <laughs> right? No, I mean, but you you get don't get me wrong though, you're, and you're right in what you said. You get that mix. You get some people who totally understand it because of where they were raised and their background, and then you get some that have that built-in racism because they don't know any better. There, there was a video, unfortunately, that came out from uh, Washington Heights where some Dominicans were, were chasing a couple black kids off their neighborhood and you know yelling racial epithets, you know, uh, racial slurs at them and forcing them off their neighborhood and it, it was ugly um but that's because those guys don't know any better you know what i'm saying i i don't know those guys personally i, I don't know their background i don't know those guys. <laughs> no i'm just saying i don't know, I them, I don't know them personally right. but we do know we do know that um there's a group of spanish yeah. people from washington heights who view themselves as the exception yeah. they don't feel that they have anything to do with the black community so you know it's unfortunate that some people feel that way but to your point uh, about the black dollar, I think it's important to reinvest within your own community. We talked about it several times. Um, the Jewish community, the Asian community, the Italian community, they won't allow you to just come into their community and establish a business unless it fits the need of their community. And too many times in the black community, we do the opposite because we don't take time to get invested in local politics. We allow these chicken spots, these bodegas, these little restaurants that will bring no value to your community to set up shop and profit off the black dollar as opposed yeah. to letting someone come in who's going to reinvest in the community yeah it's nuts man it's nuts man so we still we still on this social media we gotta ask you know we we know we all the same we we all people Absolutely. you know what i mean you know what i mean you my brother regardless uh -huh. um I'm glad that you always do that. I'm glad on the serious note that you brought that up because I was seeing a lot of a lot of things of this kind of debate with Hispanics. And I seen a post today that was saying, you know, the only difference between us and Spanish people is where the boat stop. Yeah, and I think there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of Hispanic people that have always, especially Dominicans, that like be darker than me. And I'd be so confused. Like darker than me, hair more coarse than me. They're like, oh no. And they look at black people with like like there's such a disconnection. And so uh, I've always been puzzled by that, the the division between Hispanics and black people, because I think our cultures are so, there's so many similarities and so many, just even the way we look. And I think during a time like this, yeah, I think there's a lot of Hispanic and like uh, counterparts, I would think um, would be a little bit more vocal, especially because they know how it feels to be in this country and to get profiled and to get ridiculed and to get judged you know, because they, they do get discriminated and, and have their stereotypes, as do every cult, um, you know, group. But Hispanics, is, you know, especially during the election, all the comments that are said, you would think that they would understand what black folks are, are experiencing being black in America. So I, I think that's always been an issue that needs to be talked about a little bit more. But then I, would, 
I always find it interesting with Dominicans um, because they've had this long-standing issue with Haiti. I guess I'm assuming that's why they always try to separate themselves from the black culture and the black community because they've they've always uh, treated Haitians very poorly. And I think with, with Puerto Ricans is a little different. We we don't view it that same way. Um, I can't speak for all Puerto Ricans because there are some that that are low key racist, and I've seen it firsthand. Um, and it's a conversation I've had with my family firsthand because I do feel there are some older Puerto Ricans who still hold on to stereotypes or judge blacks purely off of what they've seen in the media. Um, but I also, I would challenge anybody of Hispanic descent. If you live in a major city, it's easy to get caught up in your own little pocket of things because as we see in New York, you know, if you're of a certain background, you may only be raised around those people from that background because there's those pockets throughout the city. But leave New York City and go to a smaller area where they don't know the difference between a Puerto Rican and a black and a Dominican. And you are black, my friend. Um, and I've experienced, <laughs> I've experienced it firsthand Real shit. In, in Pennsylvania and mm. parts of Connecticut and parts of Maryland, where it's like when, when somebody asks you, what are you? You say you're Puerto Rican. So, so that's black. Yeah. They don't know no different. So, light skinned black person. Right, right. Oh, you're, light, you're a light skinned black person. Right, I got it. Because there's some, it, but, hey, don't get me wrong, there's some dark Puerto Ricans as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And as I said before, uh, I, yeah. I, I got cousins that are much darker than me. My grandmother's much darker than me. So I know. I, yo, I saw the picture of your grandfather. I got hype. I was like, okay. <laughs> it looking like my <laughs> That's what's up, yo. But yeah, man, you know, we. It, we were talking about social media for a minute. Um, uh, Siri recently, um, they came under fire because I think they were kind of tapping into people's uh, messages, the Siri messages or whatever the case may be. I don't know if it's something that happened as of lately because of what's going on in the world or whatever, but um, it, 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 it just it, it, it strikes me as very odd because um, so many people use Siri for everything and for them to potentially be listening in on our stuff and then possibly giving it to the government, like that's a huge risk. Who, who want to take that and one? And we can't hear you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I said that time my fault. That's crazy because, you know, for, for a minute, I kept wondering uh, how they know, you know, when you're interested in something and then the ads pop up. I don't know if this is the reason, but in my head, I'm like, okay, I was just sitting here talking about some damn hairspray. Then I hop on Instagram and that same brand is there. And I'm like, what is going on? I still don't know the full reason of that, but that makes you think that Big Brother is always watching. And that's extremely scary. And I know I was reading a few months ago when they were talking about the scare of like TikTok sending your information to other um, countries or had a, some type of relationship with China and, and sharing your information. Our cell phones, I think we get so used to having our cell phones and it's like a diary and it's like our right hand, but we have to be cognizant that this information, all of this, these apps do not belong to us. And whatever we're storing and saying, I've always been kind of eerie with my phone. And don't do a Google search either. You do a Google search on your phone, you're going to have ads popping up for that for, for days at a time. No freaky searches you be having? Yep. <laughs> but that's, but that's my business. That's my business. on his timeline. Uh huh. That ain't for the world to know. That's for Anthony's search only. Exactly, and I appreciate it if you knock my business out there like that because that's rude. They already how, can, that. how can we buy time shares? <laughs> <laughs> 
Are people still buying timeshares? I've been seeing a lot of commercials lately. I've been seeing a lot of commercials lately. Timeshares no more, man. They've been trying to get out of those. I've never used them shits. Like my mom had a vacation share for ten years, and we ain't take a vacation not one time. When she didn't have it, was when we took trips. I think now you can you get a trip on such a deal. You probably don't even need to have any time. Yeah. Did you guys uh, did you guys say family trips growing up? Because I feel like a lot of people, um, even for me, like just Hell nah, getting, getting, getting a getting a passport and, and traveling places, like it, that was a whole new experience. Like I had to I had to you know like Eric just said like these these it's cheaper now. Not even cheaper. Like you can you can actually make payments and stuff like that. Like for years we were thinking yeah. we had to have some lump sum and we got to pay for it all in one shot or whatever the case may be. So. So I'm, I wasn't the only one. We didn't take we didn't take trips. If we can get in the car and go see our parents, I mean our grandparents, that was probably the trip that we took. Surprisingly, yeah, I think that I technology took has changed. You know, there's so many apps competing with airline flights. There's so many alternative ways um, that we can we can get places. Even thinking about the fact that we have GPS, where before it, I remember driving down to the south with my family and having a map in a car. You know what I mean? So I think the there's map still- quest. Yeah, there's ways now. Like you used to print it out before you drove somewhere. Where now yeah. you can hop on your phone, so it makes trips a little easier and safer. Um, but I know, you know, my family. I, I was the youngest of six kids. We couldn't even fit all of us in a car at the same time. Two adults and six kids, so we didn't really take a lot of trips. It was costly. What type of, what type of traveling? So when y'all went to the store, I got I got to find this out. So when y'all went to the store because it was six of y'all, did you have to figure out who could go, who can carry you what? Like, because if you was young, I know you wasn't going to the store. Yeah, I was. I'm the baby, so I was on grocery well, duty when 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 the groceries came inside the house. Mm. I was on remote duty. They used to treat me like I was a goddamn like what. Being the youngest, it was like I had no say. I could never get the front seat ever because I'm the baby. Oh yeah, you was asked out with that. Yeah, I could never. I remember when my mom would like if it was just her and I, I, I could run into the front seat because I was going to store with her by myself. But yeah, the oldest, you know, I had two brothers, so definitely they went to the store with my mom and then my sister. It was definitely a hierarchy in, in regards to age and height. And, so that's and how it worked in our house. M didn't start sitting in the front seat until she started driving. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. But, but yeah. these but these are things but these are even things that people other people don't realize about how we grew up. You know what I'm saying? Like to, to the whole conversation that we had tonight, people don't understand these things about us growing up. I, you know, you see a lot of these people. They like, oh, we went to the south of France, and we went to this place and that place. Man, we went to North Carolina. We was in the country. All right. We now, girls North- are going to Dubai in high school. Talking about I'm going to Bali for my damn school trip. I met this girl. I hey, went to none the- of my friends never said nothing like that. I know these girls that are going to like listen crazy places after graduation, and I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah, my my daughter my daughter's very spoiled. Um, I was, I, I mean, I was somewhat fortunate. I ain't gonna front. I went on my first vacation when I was like four. We went to California because my aunt was living out there at the time. Okay. Um, and then like a couple times after that, when I would go on vacation, it wouldn't really be with my mom. It would be like you know I would go with a family member. My mom would pay for me to go and all that. Absolutely. So like Eric the first time he lived in like. That was a little different, though. Well, at that yeah. point, things started changing. I ain't going to front. At that point, once my mom was working for the federal government, then, like, vacations and doing more things like that changed. But early on, like, the first time I ever went to Puerto Rico, I was, like, 10. I went with my grandmother. And my grandmother lived in the hood of Puerto Rico. So it wasn't, like, no vacation spot. It was, like, I actually saw when they killed the pig and all that out there. Um, and, you know, going to Florida, like most kids, <laughs> you know, go to Florida and visit a family member. 
Um, that's 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 crazy because I went like it's a it's an eight year gap between me and my brother and then my two sisters. So me and my brother we didn't get shit. And then as you know, once <laughs> once, once once my parents wanted to leave the drugs alone and turn their life around, start doing good for themselves. So I, I caught the tail end of, a, of of two vacations and we had went to to uh, Kings Dominion and then we went to the Bahamas. You know, as I as I got older, but then I aged out. And the next thing I know, they going to Mexico, Jamaica together, mm. all type of wild stuff. Like it's some bullshit. Yeah, my daughter, my daughter is thirteen. She been on two cruises. She been she down. She been she go down to Florida with my mom like almost every other year. And I mean like spring break, like oh I get a week off, I'm gonna go to Florida. Like <laughs> that, but that those those things are amazing because um when we, when we look at generations, we wanna we wanna um want to expand we want to get better and stuff like that so you know for for you to have that experience for us to have those little bit of experience for us to, to actually want to like grow and build and, and open our kids up to like different things is, is, a, is a great thing in itself um a lot of kids don't get that you know a, a lot of kids don't leave their neighborhood <laughs> a lot of kids don't leave their like it's some people that don't leave the bronx there's some people I, I grew up in atlanta they don't leave their respective city oh or whatever the case may be. If they can't drive there, they're not going there. You right. know? Um, so it's, it's 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 so much of a divide on so many different levels with how we think as far as expanding expanding to going other places, traveling, um, you know, it, it's just different. And and I think, you know, for us it's 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 imperative that we continue to grow and just try to, you know, just show our kids <laughs> and show the show the youngins what they got out here and that they, they can do a whole lot better. Yeah, shout out to you for that, Eric, because that's one thing that we need to have more. Like, we need to be able to take, you know what I'm saying, these kids, you know what I'm saying, traveling and, and see things that they probably would never seen before, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely nice. want my daughter to experience a lot of that. Um, I mean, just from a selfish standpoint, so that way she'll never be impressed by no dude that throw money at her, you know? <laughs> Listen, that's important. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I don't need, the standard. Right. I don't need no dude trying to hold down on my daughter's head. Like, remember, I took you on that plane that one time. Word. <laughs> Word. Hey, hit, I was on G5 right. before I was five. Right. You just hit you up, but I'm trying to, you trying to get flued out. You can be like, my daddy been flying me right. out. Okay. Right. Right. Standards. Right. Standards. That's what Standards. I'm talking about. <laughs> no seven gram love. Nah. Anyways. <laughs> 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 this is shooting the shit. <laughs> Quarantine, protests, uh, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, we ain't here. We, you know, we, we getting it done. I feel a whole lot better now that we had. I had this conversation with y'all because I definitely wasn't feeling the best. Um, and I appreciate seeing you guys' faces or whatever. And I know everybody appreciates hearing up. You know, as the weeks go on, we get more and more uh, momentum, and people listen to us more. So I just want to continue to thank them. Um, as long, along with thanking you guys for you know just continue to be here. Barbecue this weekend. Thank you, Sean, for having us. <laughs> you already know, yo. Y'all stay safe out there. Y'all be go? cool. How y'all be cool? <laughs>